there. We're so glad you tuned in today. We would love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you. You can do so by visiting our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to freedom. Here we stand on the day of Pentecost thinking about all the great things God has done. And when we think about Pentecost, we think about power. Yes? So let's talk about power for a moment. Power can be used in two ways. It can be unleashed. Now listen closely. You might want to take notes on this. There's some good stuff here. There's two ways that power can be used. It can be unleashed or it can be harnessed. Unleashed or harnessed. This is completely dependent on your view of God. The power of God will determine, or rather let me say this, your view of God will often determine how you use the power of God. Now let me give you a for instance. Can I do that? Can I give you for an example? Because I work in illustration. I do. So I work with illustrations and here it is. I need to understand what power looks like. So here's what it looks like. Okay, so in this we have, uh, if I wanted to fill this to its capacity, it's a five gallon. I can fill this up with five gallons of gasoline. Now, it can be released and it'd be explosive if I dropped it in the wrong place. If I dropped the match anywhere near this, it can be explosive, Right? It'll be the, the church will be on fire in a whole different way. Right? And myself as well. I won't be too far behind. If this was unleashed, it could change the entire environment. But if I take the very same gasoline in here and I put it in a vehicle, in the gas tank, and I start the car and I drive, that has went from being unleashed to now be, uh, come to a place of harness. Now it's harnessing that power, that ability to be able to get 300, 400, 500 miles. And if you have a hybrid, like 2,000 miles. I don't know what that looks like, right? But it all depends on how you use this power to determine where, where you go and what happens to you. I want us to kind of look at this for a moment because I realize that in our lives, right, we come to a place where we have, uh, we have to understand that the Holy Spirit works in both those ways as well. The Holy Spirit works in ways where if we, if we just kind of focus, God can take us places that we've never imagined possible. And we can take that focused fuel right? That focused fuel and take us places. Or if it's something like this, if it's scattered throughout the room, it'll be explosive. So we're talking about channeled energy versus unchanneled energy. And I believe for a long time, the church of Jesus Christ is oftentimes unchanneled. See, at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit exploded on the scene. It exploded on the scene. He, the Holy Spirit moved in power throughout the place. And things happened that people didn't expect to happen because it was unleashed in the room. 
It was unleashed in that community. And I, I, I kind of come to the, this kind of passage and I approach it differently when I think about that because as the Holy Spirit exploded on the scene, his presence came as tongues of fire. Now watch this. Thousands were affected from that day moving forward. Now hear me. Media team is going to have to follow me on this because I have notes and they have notes. But I may go off, off, the, uh, off the cuff here because there's a lot of things happening in this text here that I feel. Listen closely because I don't want to give you another word than what you need. But I don't want to fall short of what it is that God wants to share with you this morning. You with me? Who's with me? So hear me when I tell you this. Christians were being in some places hunted. And you realize that in the New Testament? Christians were not welcomed in every place. You think you're going through persecution? There was a different level there. Right? There was a different level. Now that doesn't diminish what we're going through. And I'm not trying to speak down to what you're going through or I'm going through. But it was different. Listen, when they strapped your arm to one horse and strapped another arm to another horse and then they whip both the horses at the same time so they can take off, how many know that you are not the same person anymore? That's what was happening. And so we look at persecution very differently. But that, my friends, listen to me. Many of you don't realize that these last 11 weeks have been a mode of survival in a way that God was showing you how to rough it because there's going to be times that are going to be difficult and you are better following 11 weeks. That's my prayer, that you're stronger passing that. Now listen, sometimes we don't feel that way. But here's what I do know. I do know that I depended on him differently during that time. So I want to bring a message this morning entitled, From Survival to Revival. From Survival to Revival. And I realize that we've come to a place where now it's no longer about surviving. I want to be revived. I want to move forward in a way that would allow me to experience the power of God. Not just just enough. How many know that just enough is not enough? Just enough is not enough. And if just enough is enough, it's not just enough. It's barely enough because we always need more than we think we do. How many, how, many, uh, how many carpenters we have in the house? Anybody ever done carpentry stuff? Maybe you're not considering yourself a carpenter. I know there's a few of you guys. You cut wood. So I, one of the things I learned when, I started, when we started doing the uh, renovations in this building is this. Measure twice, cut. Look at that. Revival. Certain individuals in this room measure once and cut six times. Don't point at them right now. Right? No, I learned, I learned, I learned. Measure twice, cut once. Right? Is that right? But you often learn that a little too late. After you measured once, cut six times, and you're like, Oh, I could have done it this way. What I realize in my life is that we often do just enough to get by and then wonder why we don't experience revival. Come on, I, if I get amen, I may end shorter if I get a few amens. I'm just, I'm not going to lie. I'm not gonna, I'm just, I just need to know that you get it. Amen. I get a lot more amens all of a sudden. It's amazing. 
the church of Jesus Christ was surviving. They were being persecuted, tortured, manhandled by Rome. But I understand one thing. Enter Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2. And things all of a sudden changed. At Pentecost, the very man that denied Christ was now smack dab in the middle of a great revival that was taking place. You ever made a wrong turn and ended up somewhere you didn't know existed? And you're like, oh, this is a nice neighborhood. This wasn't where I was supposed to go, but that's a beautiful house there. They got nice, nice lawn there. And uh, let me turn around. You ever been in that situation? Some of you said that emphatically. Maybe that happened on the way to church this morning. I don't know. But you make a wrong turn. You say, wow, this, this is not the way I'm supposed to be going. Some people turn right away. And then others go, no, I think I know a way through this. And then you end up in a whole nother part that you never saw before. Twice as far as you were the first time. And now you got twice as far to go back. I'm afraid that that's what happens with believers when we don't trust the Holy Spirit's leadership and guidance in our life. We don't trust his power. We don't trust that. And so what we do is we try to survive. I know how to get out of this, honey. Trust me. I know where I'm going. The Bible tells us that on the day of Pentecost, they were gathered. And what is Pentecost? Well, the Pentecost is the 50th day following Passover, which was very, very, very important to the Israelites because in the Passover, obviously, the Passover was the time to celebrate when God delivered uh, his people from the hand of Egypt, right? And so the blood was poured, uh, put over the doorpost, and the blood is very, very, very important. I was reminded by a dear friend of mine here that, that the blood of Jesus Christ is very important in the day which we live. And we look at Pentecost, and you can't look at Pentecost without looking at the Passover. Because Pentecost is a celebratory moment to celebrate what? What happened? God delivering his people through the Passover. And the blood that was spilt by the Lamb and put on the doorposts so that the angel of death would pass by. Pass over that home. So Pentecost is 50 days following the Passover and the people of Israel celebrate this as one of the feasts. The feast of Passover. So it's interesting that we find ourselves in this particular celebratory moment. I don't know what God was thinking when he said, I want to pour out my spirit on Pentecost. But here's what he did. He realized that it started with about 500 people. And by the time the Spirit of God poured out, there was only, how many remember how many were in the upper room? 120. 120. Out of 500. Friends, no matter how you calculate the numbers, that is a poor response. Why? Because some people don't like the waiting. Some people didn't survive they didn't hang in there because they had to survive to get to the revive friend there are times 
in your life. And I said this to the team we were praying earlier today. I said, we so focused on the moment that we forget that God is in the movement in the process of doing something greater. This moment right now, look at me, every eyeball, young and old, look at me for a moment. This moment right here will define what God does in your life. Every decision you make affects your spirit, man. And the Holy Spirit and all his power, this is amazing that we can store five gallons of gasoline. That's great. But if this gasoline doesn't go in my car, how many know that my car can only go so far without it. Friend, many of you have been surviving. You've been on survival mode. And I'm telling you right now, now's your chance to fill her up. If you're like me, I don't even like my tank to go below half. If I get to a quarter tank, I start to think about it a lot. And I could have hundreds of miles left over. But if I see that at the quarter tank... I'm like, I need to fill this thing up because I don't want to be caught out there where I need gas and I'm nowhere near a gas station. Case in point, why, why am I like that? And I'll tell you exactly why. I was in a van with a friend. And I'm not going to name his name, Matt. It's no one in this church, by the way. Maybe he's listening. I don't know. This is all you, Matt. Thank you for the illustration. We were driving our, our van back from a, a booking. We were in college, and Matt decided he, we dropped everybody off, and I was the last one to get dropped off. Matt was driving us all home. It was at the end of summer tour. We were traveling, and he said, well, you know, I'm going to take you in the route. I'll take you home last. I said, okay. And then I looked over at the gas meter because I was in the front with him, and I saw that it was really low, and I was a little nervous. I was like, Matt, hey, Matt, there's a gas station two miles ahead. It just, I just saw the blue sign. We need to stop for gas, my man. See? That's what happened. It sounded like that shortly thereafter. Because he said, no, I know how much gas is left. We will be fine. No, we weren't. That sound appeared. It shook. And the, car, the van started slowing down. We ended up stopping alongside a highway underneath a bridge. And that's the only good news. That it was under a bridge. Or bad news. I don't know who was going to come out from under the bridge. I don't know. But we stopped. And I said to him, very lovingly, I told you! <laughs> Matt! Dude! It was a gas thing, we just passed it. He was like, my bad, my bad. I said, I know it's your bad, that's why I'm yelling at you. You said there was enough gas. He said, I got this, Tony. I got you. He got out of the van and started running. Matt! Where are you going? I'll be right back. I'm under a bridge, friends. 
Not the first time in my life, but I was under a bridge and I'm like, dude, he says, I'll be right back. I think I saw a gas station down here. I'll just get some gas and bring it back. I promise you I was there for 40 minutes sitting in his van going, is he ever going to return? It was getting late. I had no cell phone, nor did he. And I'm sitting there going, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. So out of distance, I could see. Here's Matt. Bringing the gasoline. I, never be, I was never so happy to see Matt in my life. Poured the gas in. It was just enough gas to get us to the next gas station. And I realized, you know what I realized? That gas does no good in here. He had to put it in the tank. We survived from one place to the other, but we didn't thrive, that's for sure. Some of us in this room are in the same place. You survived the last 11 weeks, but you don't feel revived at all. This is your chance to come to God today and say, Lord, whatever it is you want to do with me, do it. So let me share with you real quickly on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, because, man, I got so much to say, and I want to kind of be mindful of things, but Acts chapter 2, read this with me if you would. I don't have all the text. I just have the reference on the screen. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. They were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from the heaven. And filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came on rest on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. They started talking to each other. What is that? What is that, right? Because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked. This is verse 7. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of them hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. And all these, they begin to list out all these others, Egypt and Libya and Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews. And in verse 11 it says, both Jews and the converts of Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. Look at verse 12. Amazed and perplexed. When the Holy Spirit shows up, friend, look at me for a moment. People will be amazed and perplexed. Don't be afraid of that. They asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Now, hear me. I want to give you three quick thoughts. And here it is. You ready? We've been talking about, my wife preached a few weeks ago, brilliantly, better than I can, a message entitled, In the Waiting. If you haven't listened to this message, when you get a chance, go back. We have it on YouTube, on our Facebook. We have it all different. In the Waiting. And I wanted to, and I wanted to kind of start with that, jump off of that. And the first thought is this. When you want to move from, from survival to revival, watch this, you want to await your turning point. 
you want to wait out your turning point. Now, let me, look at, let me look at this text and context of my line here. If I'm saying await your turning point, you know what I'm saying? I'm saying that there comes a time where the people of God have to wait to see the purpose of God unfold. We want the microwave stuff today, right? We want everything quickly now. I don't want to wait. But there is joy in the waiting. There is joy. But you have to await your turning point. The Holy Spirit was promised to the disciples way before. But they had to wait. They had to wait. And that survival brought them to this point, the turning point of the church. Now, at this point, as we stand here today, it's been 11 weeks since we last met in this room. Uh, we, I joked about it this past week, and I said, I cast vision for this church, and the next, week's, the next week we had to close the doors. Because that's, in essence, what happened, right? We had an awesome vision night. Many of you were here. We had a great time. We laughed. A lot of great things happened. Vision night. We gathered together on Sunday night, sharing our vision for the year, testifying of what God did last year. And then, 11 weeks later, here we are. That's not what I envisioned, and that's not what I preached that night. I didn't see it. And I'm not sure I was supposed to. I don't know. If I was supposed to, I missed it. But I don't know. But I do know that the 11 weeks was a waiting point. A waiting point that led to my turning point. Jesus promised that he would not leave these men alone. And that he would send a, somebody say it with me, comforter. You don't need comforter, a comforter, if you are not going through distressing moments. Jesus was telling them, I'm going to bring somebody that will comfort you. Because you're going to have hard times. You won't be alone. But this is a turning point for the church. Now let me, let me say this with you. Uh, to you rather. We find that the Holy Spirit came. And he came in a couple things. He came in the wind. Everybody say wind. He came in the wind. They were uh, enjoying a meal together when the, all the house was filled with a sound like a Russian mighty wind. Right? And so it goes wherever it pleases. Wind, does, wind doesn't care what you think. Hello? Wind doesn't care what you think. It's going to go where it's going to go. The Holy Spirit will move wherever he wants to move, whether you like it or not. Now, will he move on you? That may be a slightly different thing for a different message. Because I don't believe that God will impose himself on you. But I do believe that God will impress upon you. He will nudge you. And some of you are nudged right now. And you know that there's something God wants you to do. So the Holy Spirit is a lot like a wind. He will move where he wants to move. Just ask anyone who had their roof torn off by a twister or a tornado. That wind will go where it wants to go. Right? But also, we find that the Holy Spirit came in fire. Not only did they hear the Spirit of God, but they saw and they sensed. They saw fire appear on each of them. Let me... Backtrack for a moment in Exodus 3. We find in Exodus 3 that when God appeared to Moses, do you remember what happened there? God appeared to Moses in the burning bush. Uh, it, it meant that Moses was in the presence of God, and yet that presence wasn't consuming that bush. He's saying, listen, I could be on you, but not consuming you. 
There are a lot of people that know about God, but he's not consuming every element and decision you make. I don't know that that's exactly what the burning bush meant, but it was interesting to me that the, 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 the fire was on the bush and it was burning, but it wasn't being destroyed. And I think we often think like the only way God's fire comes is to destroy things. But that's not true, is it? Because your life is better with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. See, it's, very, it's the very spirit of God among them that was about to take them to new levels. And I believe that same spirit wants to take you to a new level. We find that the spirit came and allowed those who were willing uh, and, 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 and submitted. They, they spoke in tongues. They, 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 were, they proclaimed the gospel. Power came upon people. And let me tell you something. That is an amazing gift that God has given us to be able to have the Holy Spirit at our disposal. To be able to use for the glory of God. So they waited for the turning point. But they also waited for the power. And we look at people. Let me give you quick examples. You ready? Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 6 verse 5. He was the first Christian that we understood in the New Testament that we looked upon after the day of Pentecost that at least was recorded that I know of right now. He he was one of the first to be killed for his faith because he stood there and he was the first one that I ever saw that that said, you know what? When, When he was about to die, he got a standing ovation. Because he looked up to heaven and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Come on, somebody. Stephen got a standing ovation from heaven. (laughs) My goodness. Come on. Can you imagine what heaven looked like? Can you imagine for a moment that the the angels were all around the throne and there stood Jesus. He was sitting at the right hand of the Father and he saw Stephen and he stood up at the right hand of the Father. Very few times in Scripture do you see that picture presented to us. Jesus standing. And when he stands, he doesn't stand for no reason. He stands for a very, very good reason. Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost. Philip and the, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. Read it. Full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit. Sensitive to what the Holy Spirit wanted to do. I don't have the time to go into it, but look at it for yourself. Acts chapter 8, verse 29 through 35. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And then we look at Peter and Cornelius where uh, Acts chapter 10 the apostles uh, were gathered together and the apostle Peter was preaching in, uh, to a Gentile, a non-Jewish believer and there his whole house, people were affected. Why? Because of power. You know why? Harnessed power. It started with an unleashing of power. Then he took that power with him. Friends, listen to me. The Lord wants you to take that power and be mobile with it. Go and share and love and care. Amen. That rhymed. In case you didn't follow that. Third thing. Watch this. Not only did Christians realize the Holy Spirit was available. Everyone, everyone look at me. Because just, a, just a, f- a few more moments. Hang with me there. Little ones, keep drawing, keep coloring. Everybody else, follow along. What makes the Holy Spirit so amazing is that we don't have to work for him to work. Now listen, that doesn't mean don't do things for God. 
Pastor Tony said, I don't have to serve. Pastor Alicia, take me off the serve schedule. God doesn't have to move with me, so take me off the schedule. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that God doesn't need you to move. He will move in his sovereign way, but we get to be a part of a great thing. Truth is, without the Holy Spirit's leading and power, none of us, none of us have a hope. Amen? We could put all the masks on we want, all the Lysol we want. If we don't have the blood of Jesus, all of this is futile. You hear me? Everywhere the apostles went, the Holy Spirit went ahead of them. And on the day of Pentecost, everything changed. Friend, look at me. This day is the day that you can decide, I want to move and I want to change the toggle from survival and I want to turn it on to revival. I don't want... (laughs) I don't want the new normal. I want the next level. I want the next level. I want Acts chapter 13 where the Holy Spirit selected Barnabas and and Saul as missionaries and guided them where they want to go. I want Acts 16 where he tells us that the Holy Spirit strategically planned the travels of Paul. I want to go where he says go. Plan my steps. Order my steps. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Plan my steps. Order my steps. Anybody know what I'm saying? I got three people. Plan my steps. Order my steps. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. I'll get there eventually. Acts chapter 20. Watch this. It describes with the Holy Spirit warning Paul of the dangers. Listen. I want to be able to be doing something and God say, stop. Turn around. Go here. Because there's something about to happen. I want that guidance by God. Anybody else? That's why we pray a hedge of protection over our families. That's why we pray for the angels to go before us. That's why we pray traveling mercies. Hello? Because we want God to go before us. And there's nothing wrong with praying that. But I want God to guide every step. But why do we want him to guide every step? So that we're safe? Not just that, but so that I will always be hearing what God wants from me. So let me ask this as the media team helps me. uh, Somebody just play something soft there. Listen to me closely. As we look at the day of Pentecost, real soft guys. As we look at the day of Pentecost, it's important that we note something. Listen to me now. This right here. The power harnessed in here is available to every one of us. An explosive ability to be used by God. You know what he wants to do? He wants to hand you one. He wants to hand you one. You know what he wants to do? As you hand one, you realize how important it is for you to have one. So you get one. And then you keep yours and you hand one to somebody else. And then they realize how important power is in this world. Everybody's got an opinion today. Isn't that right? I don't want my opinion anymore because I've been wrong once in my life. Some of you caught that. 
But most of us have been wrong more than once. I want his guidance. I want his Holy Spirit. That's the only way it happens. So here's what I'm asking of you today. Here's the question. What's so important about the Holy Spirit and Pentecost today? What's so important about that celebratory element? Or we could say, well, Pastor Tony, you said it. It, remember, it, it reminds us of the day, right? Of the Passover. What's the Passover? Well, the Passover was a day that, that the people of God was set free. You're not just set free anymore. You're now empowered to do the work of God every single day. But we live like we're still wandering in the wilderness without Pentecost. We live like we're wandering still. God is saying, don't wander anymore. Don't wonder anymore. Come and wait. And when you wait for me, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. Somebody say amen. You will be my witnesses. So here's what I'm saying. If you are here, if you're listening, if you're watching online, wherever it is you find yourself, I'm going to ask you to bow your head right now, right where you are. And I'm going to ask you this. Will you live bitter or will you live better? Bitter is survival. Oh, this is so hard. Listen, listen to what I'm saying. Maybe you have your eyes closed. Just hear me. Just hear me. Bitterness is holding on to that thing and surviving. Oh, this is such a drag. Oh, this is so difficult. Oh, that survival mode. If I could just get past this, if we could just get out of quarantine, if I could just get this, if I could just get that. Survival mode, survival mode. No longer. No longer will you live that way. I'm speaking and I'm prophesying into your home, your marriage, and your family that you're moving this day from survival to revival. You can live bitter in survival or better in revival. Bitter in survival or better in revival. Father, I pray for every person at the sound of my voice. Every person at the sound of my voice. I pray in Jesus' name you would allow them to sense the power of the Holy Ghost. I pray in Jesus' name that you would turn all the graves of the last 11 weeks into gardens and and harvest. Turn the bitterness and survival to the better spirit of revival. Father, I pray in Jesus' name will we no longer hold on to the patterns of this world or cling to anything this world has to offer, but instead a move from survival to revival. Father, I pray you'd help us to see this in Jesus' name. If you're in this room right now, in Jesus' name, I'm speaking to you. Let the survival transform to revival. 